Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds, leaky black. The Ion College Basketball Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, you know what to do. Smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. And don't forget, while you're here, to also subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Let's get into it. We're here on a Thursday afternoon because I'm flying first thing Friday morning and because Thursday night's schedule doesn't have much to offer. I, I trust you understand. And coincidentally, we have some major news to discuss uh, because less than an hour ago, Illinois announced that All-American candidate Terrence Shannon Jr. has been charged with rape in the state of Kansas stemming from an incident in September, he has been, per university policy, suspended from all team activities. Right now, that's all we know. So it would be reckless for us to speculate on what this will mean for Terrence Shannon, other than the obvious. Uh, but what we can agree on, I, I think, Norlander, is that it's a development that really deflates what had been a great start to the season for the Illini, because it's a development that will at least temporarily remove Illinois' best player from a team that's 9-2 and two with a win over FAU. Yeah, I um this certainly hit like a, a bolt from the blue um uh, at least on my end I, I i had no idea this was uh waiting illinois did i'm gonna read the the full statement real quick here we're gonna just we're gonna give you the hard news and a, and a quick thought on this but you know what like there's there are there's so much still f to be developed with this story uh, and this is broken as gp said as coincidence would have it um really less than an hour that we were already planning to uh, to get this podcast up and rolling here. So here is Illinois' statement that came out on Thursday afternoon. On Wednesday, the Douglas County District Attorney, my words here, that's out of Kansas as a reminder, issued a warrant for the arrest of Terrence Shannon Jr. Per policy, the Division of Intercollegiate Athletics, DIA, has suspended Shannon from all team activities effective immediately. Shannon is charged with rape as defined under applicable Kansas law. The alleged incident in Kerbal Shannon was visiting Lawrence, Kansas, to attend the Illinois at Kansas football game played on the evening of Friday, September 8th as a spectator. He was not in Lawrence on official university business, nor was he a member 
of the university's travel party. Shannon traveled to Lawrence today where he presented himself to authorities. He posted bail and is returning to Champaign. The university and DIA take allegations of sexual misconduct seriously while respecting due process and the presumption of innocence afforded through the legal system. Director of Athletics Josh Whitman, quote, said the university and DIA have shown time and again that we have zero tolerance for sexual misconduct. At the same time, DIA policy affords student athletes appropriate levels of due process based on the nature and severity of the allegations. We will rely on that policy and our prior experiences to manage this situation appropriately for the university and the involved parties. And quote, the statement finishes with DIA and Urbana campus officials have been aware of a Lawrence police investigation into Shannon since late September, but until Wednesday had yet to receive actionable information. Shannon's arrest triggers the DIA student athlete misconduct policy. Under that policy, Shannon has been immediately suspended from all team activities. Any change to Shannon's status will be communicated in a timely manner. That is the end of Illinois' statement. The one thing that obviously jumps out is the fact that Illinois was aware that the police were looking into an incident uh, that has now been an alleged rape uh, against Terrence Shannon Jr., but was obviously quiet on that, chose not to act on it. Uh, the specific language here, Parrish, uh, was that it had yet to receive actionable information until Wednesday. He traveled to Kansas on Thursday, turned himself in, was out on bail. He's heading back. Terrence Shannon Jr. suspended indefinitely. Obviously a terrible headline. We wait for more information to be uncovered, but uh, that is uh, quite clearly a doozy and one totally out of left field. Some will want to ask why the university chose to play Shannon, knowing that there was some investigation going on. The university explained itself there. That will probably appease some people and not appease others. Yeah. Um, I don't have a problem with the way Illinois has handled this. Um, you know, I think when somebody is charged with a serious crime like this, then I do like that a university has a policy in place to automatically trigger a suspension so that you're not influenced by this guy is a projected first team All-American. And by the way, just for Illinois fans uh, or for people who aren't Illinois fans or maybe not Big Ten fans who don't know who we're talking about here, this guy would be a first team All-American today if we were voting first team All-Americans today. He is number three right now in the Ken Palm Player of the Year race behind only Zach Eady and Kyle Filipowski. So he's the highest rated non-big in the country. Again, would likely be a first-team All-American right now, or at least yesterday. He's averaging 21.7 points, 4.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 33 minutes per game, shooting above 51% from the field, above 40% from three. Um, he had emerged also as a first-round option for the 2024 NBA draft. Now everything is up in the air. So I guess there's a lot of different places to go. We'll just address the social media chatter. How could Illinois be playing this guy when they knew he was being uh, investigated for sexual assault? Well, that's a presumption. We don't know exactly what they knew and didn't know, but people do get falsely accused of sexual assault. Um, I realize it's not common, but it does happen. And you can accuse somebody of something with literally no evidence other than your mouth. And I would be uncomfortable with university policies just automatically triggering suspensions every time somebody says something about somebody else. Um, so I don't mind that that Illinois let the process play out. But when you get to this point, he has been charged with rape, then Illinois is doing what any self-respecting university would do, which is um, remove him as a representative 
of a high-profile university athletic team. Um, we, we'll see where this goes from here, but I, I, I don't want to speak for anybody else, you included, but I, I, I don't have a problem with the way Illinois handled this to this moment. I, I, I need more information. So with what we have here, um, this is absolutely the proper course of action right here in the moment, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, what Illinois did or did not know in terms of the actual details, well, that's uh, frankly, uh, only a few people have that information. We'll see if that gets uncovered in the days, weeks, or months to come. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. being uh, accused of this, obviously, um, you know, it's it's about as serious as it gets quite clearly. And we'll save further comment Paris. I mean, this is, uh, this is a major story, but it just landed Illinois statement laid it out, I guess, as clear as the school was willing to, or able to right now. Again, it's saying it did not have actionable information until Wednesday. It was aware of a, of an investigation, how much further they went into that remains to be seen. This also happened outside, outside of the state, just a couple of factors here that make this, um, make this different from sometimes when we see these uh, cases. Uh, and unfortunately, we see them uh, still way too frequently. Uh, but he's on the bench. And yeah, it, you know, it, it becomes all the more newsworthy, not just because anything like this is obviously um, uh, worthy of a headline and more, but he just happens to be one of the and you know, five to 10 best players in the sport this season. And uh, this wasn't, you know, and hearing from a few people since the news broke, Parrish, I just, you know, I didn't have any idea this that this was that this was going on, and uh, it's yeah, it's it's quite the downer of a uh, of a plot development to wrap up the year twenty twenty three in college hoops. It really is, and uh, just one last thing. Um, again, we know we'll know more. I hope this time next week than we know right now. Eventually, the evidence will presumably be presented. But um, I, I will ask you this, independent of the Terrence Shannon story. Just take that, set it aside. Let me just ask you a question. Forget this ever happened. When is the last time you can remember a Division One power conference men's basketball player returning to his team after being charged with rape? I can't. I mean, I haven't. I haven't scanned back. I don't know how how often. I mean, I can't think happened. of one. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, maybe it's happened. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure it has happened at some point. But like. I don't remember one. I don't remember you and I doing a podcast ever talking about this guy was charged for rape, charged with rape in December, and he's back playing in the NCAA tournament. This is wild. I don't remember ever talking about that. So, again, who knows where this goes with Terrence Shannon, but people who are charged with the crime that he has been charged with do not typically return to college basketball. Is that a fair statement? I think that, yes. With the way you laid it out, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so, um, yeah, just, uh, like, obviously a, cr a, a crime was allegedly committed here. That's the most important thing. What allegedly happened to uh, presumably a young woman is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. But this is a basketball podcast, and it obviously um, has big basketball ramifications for Illinois, for the Big Ten, for the sport in general. Let me ask you this, and then we'll move on. Okay. How would you handle it if you're me? Friday morning's top 25 and one. I would honestly just keep it as is and wait for the games to play out, honestly. I mean, it's an interesting it's an interesting situation from purely from the standpoint of you have to rank these teams every morning. Right. Uh, just let Illinois play the games and then just take it from there. I think that is what I've done in the past. So if I continue to do it, it'll be consistent with what I've done in the past. I don't even, I, like, let me be clear. I don't know if it's right. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. They're clearly not the same basketball team yeah. tomorrow as they were two days ago, right? 
But in the past, I have just said, I'm going to respect the resume and I'll adjust when the results start differing from the previous results. And I imagine that's what I'll, uh, that's what I'll do Friday morning. I got a little bit of time to thinking about it. On a brighter note, I guess kind of, there's some sad stuff in here too, some bad stuff in here too, but we will get to, Norlander's published actually 23, a list of 23 uh, biggest stories in college basketball in the year 2023. We're going to discuss his top 10 next, but first I'm going to need a, uh, a word from our partners. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. As you know, we are still in the week of Christmas, which is the last slow week of the college basketball season. Not a lot has happened since we last talked. Um, other than the big thing that happened since we last talked. Uh, so we decided before the Terrence Shannon news broke to spend much of this episode looking back at the calendar year 2023. Basically everything that happened from, say, January 1st, 2023 through today, which is December 28, 2023. Like I said, Deadleg has published his list over at CBSSports.com. I independently, yesterday afternoon, made my own so what we're going to do on this episode independently huh? independently i did it all by myself i think that's what independently means i think you thought about this huh i did yeah. i i was I, as an independent as a as a as a widely known independent thinker i decided to do my own list independently yesterday afternoon so what we're going to do we're going to let norlander count down his list 10 to 1 after each entry i'll tell you yes. whether what he said made my list or not. And then we'll eventually do the final four and one presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. And that'll be a podcast that gets us to the weekend. So without further yes. ado, Deadleg, tell us what you believe was the 10th biggest college basketball story of 2023. I first need to ask you a question uh, on your children's lives. Yes. I asked you not to read the story. So you have not looked at the story, right? No. Now, I know you know there's some in here, but we did, the way we did this a year ago was it just so happened that on our Wednesday show with the way the calendar broke, I did the, the year in review, but it hadn't published when we recorded. So GP truly had no idea here. He had a full day to technically look at the list, but he said, he I didn't. saw it show up in Slack. Yes. I ignored it. Okay. There we go. Um, so we're going to compare our top 10 list. I will say this um, big year. I mean, big year for a lot of headlines every year's big GP, but I really like, I went back, I scanned through in doing this. I look back on every byline that I write um, I look at every podcast title that we did. 
to make sure I'm not missing something there. So when I when we got down to it, I had about 30 candidates for the top 23 stories. And then basically from number 15 to one, I thought that 15 stories were worthy of being in the top 10 discussion. If you'd like to read this, we'll put it in the podcast description. It was the uh, the furniture piece, if you will, at cbssports.com on your CBS Sports app. The top 23 stories and headlines in men's and i want to emphasize this in men's college basketball for 2023 this is a men's college basketball podcast gp and i have been men's college basketball uh writers analysts etc etc since we were hired there so off the top i'm going to acknowledge stuff like um caitlin clark lsu angel reese women's basketball those things would easily be top five but um, this is just in the men's college basketball realm. Uh, you can easily make the case that Caitlin Clark was the biggest story in all of college basketball in 2023. So I want to acknowledge that off the top. I don't know if GP did or did not include that, but I just stuck with the men's side. Having said that, mm-hmm. here's our top 10. Top 10. Number 10. And I did, I GP, with this one, 10 is the highest it wound up being because I made a list and I started shuffling around. I had this, I think, as low as 13 at one point, but after further reflection and the person involved and the historic nature of this person's time in college athletics, I thought, you know what? He's gone. He finally left. Like he's still with us, but he retired. And the way that it was executed, I think is a top 10 story. Jim Beheim was coaching Syracuse and playing at Syracuse for 57 years of his life. It's the longest uh, association between a person in college athletics that we've ever seen. And I think that we will ever see, I don't think we'll ever see this again. So Bayheim's awkwardly executed retirement was my number 10 story. I'll remind viewers and listeners that Bayheim, after he got booted in the first round of the ACC tournament, uh, claimed he had given his retirement speech, uh, just a few days before, and then said he wasn't retiring. And for about an hour and a half there, no one knew what the hell was happening. Even if we sensed the end was here. And then Syracuse, I went and actually looked at the timestamps. Less than three hours after Syracuse lost the game, the university put up a press release that announced that Adrian Autry would be taking over for Jim Beheim. And in that press release was no quote from Jim <laughs> Beheim, nothing. It was actually, if anything, and we said this on the show at the time, Parrish, it was a vintage way for Beheim. There was no better way for Beheim to go out than the way he did, but it could have been executed much better, a little awkward. They smoothed it over. Beheim leaving Syracuse was my number 10 story. Was it in your top 10? Yes, but again, we don't we don't set specific rules for this. So sometimes, and I remember this from your past. Don't even tell me you got multiple coaches leaving as your headline. <laughs> we do it. We do it differently. We do. So we I do. built one headline. Yeah. And it was number eight. And it was two Hall of Famers lead the sport, Jim Beheim and Bob Huggins. Okay. Huggins is my number nine. So take it away. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So let me, boom. So you've got Beheim nine, Huggins, I mean, Beheim 10, Huggins nine. Correct. And I had them both packaged together at number eight. That kind of makes sense. We're lining up pretty good so far. I think we are lining up good. Um, quick reset on Huggins. Not that this needs to go. I mean, again, there are some not good headlines in here, but Huggins went on radio in May and had uh, homophobic comments and anti-Catholic comments all in one, uh, a two for one uh, bit of terribleness there. And he kept his job. He was actually suspended for three games at that point after there was a couple of days wondering whether he would even keep his job. And then all of what, five, six weeks later, he was pulled over in uh, in daylight in Pittsburgh 
all of, I think, a mile and a half away from where Taylor Swift was going to be performing that night. So there was an increased police presence around the area. And, you know, you can go back and read the story. But he was arrested on suspicion of DUI. That triggered a, a resignation from him. Uh, he then fought it after the fact and threatened to sue. As far as I can tell, that has actually gone nowhere and doesn't seem to be where we're at. But Huggins resigning and not really having, like, the send-off that I know he would have wanted. And he had a team. Like, at that point, people were thinking West Virginia was going to be, you know, top 20, top 25, top 30 GP. Um, a weird ending for Bayheim and a, a sad ending that actually could have been worse for Huggins. Uh, so that's my 10-9. Yeah, with, with Jim, it was just sort of like it was time to go. It was awkward, but it was clear, nobody would argue otherwise that it was time to go. I mean, obviously, when you work at CBS Sports, you are colleagues with a lot of Syracuse grads. And, like, they love Jim Beheim and they love Syracuse basketball. And I don't think any of them were like, well, we should give it one more year. It, it was time. Everybody seemed to acknowledge that. So it was awkward, but I bet – how about this? Every time I've seen Jim talk – this season, he looks happier than I've ever seen him, yeah. <laughs> doesn't he? Yeah, he's he is easily, and he's doing some media, obviously, and stuff. He's, yeah. he's easily transitioned that, and there was never any doubt about that. It's one of the things that's always interesting about Beheim is he's got a great ability to communicate, hold conversations, tell good stories, give you really good analysis. But uh, the dude just absolutely loved being cantankerous and and just picking fights and bitching with reporters. And in a way, <laughs> I guess we'll miss some of that. Yeah, no. So that was awkward, but but fine. And then um. With hugs, it's just sad. It's just sad. You know, self-inflicted, um, but sad. Um, you know, I, that's a man that I've that has been a figure in my college basketball consuming life forever, based on where I grew up and how long he coached Cincinnati and how um, how many years they spent in the same league as my alma mater, and getting to know him as my career. Um, unfolded was like a real cool thing for me and spending time with them and talk. I, I really like Bob Huggins. I find him to be thoughtful and smart and funny. And, and it's just sad when I see what, it, how that career ended. It just, it makes me, it makes me sad. I, I, I hope there's a, a better life out there for him moving forward, but he's been kind of invisible since all this. Right. I mean, he hasn't, nobody's heard or seen uh, th like he hasn't made any public appearances or public statements as far as I know. No, he has not. Someone in the chat is asking, do we see Huggins coming back to coach again? Doesn't seem like he's done and someone will take him back. That's a good question. Huggins is 70. Um, I, I tell you what, Calhoun left uh, UConn and it was under obviously a uh, much different circumstance, but he even went back and coached a division three team for a couple of years up in the greater Hartford area. Um, I put it less than 50%, but I put it more yeah. than 15% for sure. I would lean more no than yes, but I don't put it out of the, uh, in, in any kind of realm. If, if Huggins wanted to get back in, that would not surprise me. I'd be surprised if he ever coaches Division One basketball again, but I have uh, I've been surprised before. What's next on your list? Number eight on my list was the biggest hire of 2023. That is Rick Pitino going to St. John's. I have to think this is on your list, GP. It's number seven on my list. Rick Pitino returns to the Big East. That's a bit. That's that's massive uh, story. This is a guy, a Hall of Famer, one of the goats, who got pushed out of Louisville. And and like went to Greece and then Iona. And it wasn't obvious that he was going to coach at the high major level again. I never understood why he wouldn't, but it wasn't obvious that he would. So I know maybe the season hasn't gone the way Johnny's fans wanted to, to date. Expectations were high, but just having Rick Patino back in the Big East, specifically in New York City, it's a cool story. Back in the Big East, back in the garden, back in the big time. And 
as I wrote in the in the capsule in the in the story on Wednesday. Uh, we don't yet know if they're going to make the tournament in year one uh, under Patino. They've got a good chance, but there's no guarantee. But uh, most people think that St. John's is in a really good position over the next half decade to return to relevance and have some uh, some really good times with Patino. Uh, doing it, he's got you know he's got the most interesting head coaching career of anyone in college basketball history, as far as I'm concerned. And him being back in the Big East is obviously a major thing and a, and a huge story. Uh, so again, we are pretty close on that. Number seven on my list, uh, not an uplifting story, one we talked about uh, less than two months ago, and that is Bob Knight dying at the age of 83. He was a humongous cultural figure. He was the he was one of a, a small group of of people in college basketball that when they're time has come and, and, and they pass, uh, that makes national nightly newscasts. It, it prompts uh, reflection, uh, sometimes praise, sometimes criticism. And there was both from people that don't even write sports on a weekly basis, sometimes not even on a monthly basis, but there was that. So night dying was a huge moment for college troops, but it transcended that it was an American sports headline. And I would say, even though it's seventh here on this list, uh, it's one of those weird headlines where, in the greater realm, if you were making, say, the, the 30 biggest headlines of the of American sports in the year 2023, um, it might be pretty close to that overall because of uh, who Knight was. Maybe I'm overstating it a little bit there. But uh, but his passing, and I also will note, um, I told you before, I had 30 candidates for 23 spots. Uh, Denny Crumb's passing was in that he, it did not make the cut, so I made sure to mention uh, him in the, in the graph there because Denny Crum won two titles. Uh, he died in May at the age of 86. So we lost two coaching legends. Uh, Crum obviously had a very different reputation than Bob Knight, uh, but Knight's death was obviously a much bigger deal and expanded beyond college basketball. I had Bob Knight's death at number nine. I just, I don't know what to do with these because like everybody dies, right? That's what I read anyway. That's that's unfortunately how it goes on this planet. Yes. Yeah. So most other things, it's like not everybody wins a national title. Not everybody's a player of the year. Not everybody gets fired amid scandal. But everybody does die. So I don't. I never know how big of a, st- particularly when it's a, I don't know the right way to say this, an older person. You know, like yeah, Kobe Bryant dying in a helicopter crash is kind of wild. An old man dying is kind of expected. So I just never know what to do with legends die of you know at, at an a what feels like an appropriate age i never know how to exactly rank that mm-hmm. um but yes it made my list it was number nine it's a big story all right number six and here's where i wonder if we um i don't know if you're gonna have the exact wording on this and i could see you combining things here uh i did not combine uh number six is zach Eady returning to college basketball after a dominant national player of the year campaign so i define that as all of 2023 Edie uh just ran away with uh, with national player of the year and then his decision to return i tie that in that's a that's one big season-long headline because he is now the leader to win national player of the year again after being uh just you know outrageously good last season i did not have like purdue's successes or failure we will obviously get to that i didn't have that this is purely about who Edie was he became uh the best player in the sport and the biggest name in the sport and then he decided to come back after winning national player of the year so that is my number six how did you package the Edie stuff i gotta figure he's in there somewhere in your top 10 i packaged all things purdue i figured you might do that okay and spoiler alert purdue is the number one story in 2023 everything connected to purdue from Zach Eady winning National Player of the Year to Purdue losing to a 16 seed, becoming just the second one seed to ever do that, to Purdue now ending the calendar year ranked number one after starting the calendar year ranked number one. Do you realize that? Purdue, 
On January 1st, 2023, Purdue ranked number one in the country. Un- unless they slip up this weekend as a 30-point favorite, they will end 2023 ranked number one in the AP poll. And I guess technically they're going to end it anyway because December 31st is Sunday. AP poll doesn't come out till Monday. They're going to end 2023 ranked number one in the AP poll no matter what happens this weekend. So start the year number one, end the year number one. In the middle of it, have one of the biggest losses in the history of the NCAA tournament. And oh, by the way, you're being led by the reigning national player of the year who is the favorite to be the national player of the year once again. All things Purdue, I think is 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 the number one story of the year. Number one. I sensed you would do that. I, th- I figured you might put everything Purdue into a, into a basket there, and I figured it would be in your top three. You got it number one. I just don't think anything was bigger than everything that happened with Purdue. Nothing was bigger than everything with Purdue. That's a good way of uh, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, before we break here, so right now uh, in the back half, we have not touched on your number ten, I believe, that's and right. your number six. That's right. All right, so we haven't gotten to your number ten or your number six. We have heard my ten through six. We're gonna do the top five, but first, you know what it's time for? Yeah, I think it's time for another word from our partners. You ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, top five time GP. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. How about that? My number five, and I wonder if you put this one in your top 10 or not. To me, this is a this was the story of the summer in college sports, and it has major impact on college basketball. So the Big Ten and the Big 12 killing the Pac-12 is my number five story of the year in college basketball. Of course, it is a football-induced story. It is all because of football that this even happened, but we're losing the Pac-12. We're losing a, a, an entire league. We're going to go from 32 to 31 automatic bids. We are losing the league of John Wooden, but more importantly, the league of Mick Cronin, That's right. of Al Cinder, Bill Walton, you know, Ralph Miller shouts to Oregon State, Marcus Johnson, Ed O'Bannon, on and on. You know, Beaver a, a Fever. League, a, a Beaver Fever. We're losing the league of Beaver Fever, GP. It's a league that has, you know, more than a dozen NCAA championships on the men's side alone to its name. And with you know you can kind of glom on you know the uh, the big Ten's getting uh, the west coast wing if you will with the oregon washington ucla usc and then the big 12 was plucking off the four corner schools to me the the ruination of the pac-12 uh while understandably it was framed a lot through football to me it means just as much in basketball and uh into the pac-12 network and uh, and refrigerators everywhere r.i.p i mean less than six months after Hami hakez leaves the league it it's gone says it all that says it all. Yeah. That says it all. I did not put it on my list because I feel like it's a football story. 
but but it clearly has an impact on basketball. But I feel like it's a football. Story. It's more football, but to me, you know, it, that that's kind of the thing. That's why I put it in. It's like football does all these things, and other sports kind of get laid in the wake of it. To me, I put it in top five story of the year. Uh, and, and oh, by the way, an attachment to that, like this was another story that I had in my thirty, but I just put it in the graph. Like this also prevented if it if it even would have happened, but it eliminated UConn and Gonzaga as a package deal to go to the Big Twelve. Like that was on the table, and the football stuff. Even Brett Ormark said that on the record multiple times. Uh, we were looking hard about whether or not we were going to do that, but once this came on the table, those two got brushed aside. So there were some basketball um, after effects as well. Okay, number four. This is where I have. Number 16 seed, Fairleigh Dickinson, topples number one, Purdue. So I separated this entirely. I made it just as much about FDU as I did about Purdue because it's only the second 16 over one ever. And uh, But when people – when people, I understand, but when people talk about that, they never talk about FDU. It's always a Purdue story. Is it, though? That's a good question. So. If you're in the chat right now, I, I feel like it's 50-50. I feel like that's just as much FDU because – of Tobin Anderson getting caught on the mic before the game saying, the more I watch Purdue, the more I think I, we can beat them. They were the shortest team in the tournament. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like, and plus it's a, like, I feel like a, a 16 over one, like after the fact, I feel UNBC over Virginia is just as much about one as it is the other, but I might be, my point of view might be wrong on that. I don't know. I kind of say it's debatable, I guess. It's just, how about this? Nobody ever mentions that to me in reference of Fairleigh Dickinson. It is merely in reference to Purdue. I got people bringing FD up to me on a weekly basis, so <laughs> I don't know what streets you're walking down. But, uh, but I don't know what streets I'm walking down. So the thing that's incredible about it, though, is that FD, remember, FDU in the NAC, NEC, Mary Mack won the conference postseason bracket, but it was not yet eligible to get in. So on a technicality, FDU did not even win its league. It got the auto bid as a default backup option. It had to win in the first four and then turn around on less than 48 hours and then play the national player of the year and Purdue. Uh, and it was a bigger, uh, bigger underdog for the points spread than UMBC. I th just an amazing thing. I want to put some shine on FDU. Tobin Anderson is now coaching at Iona. Uh, an incredible one. I was in GP. I was in, I was in Albany. So I was covering like UConn versus, uh, Iona with Patino and you had uh St. Mary's VCU and, and some other teams there, but I was in the press room and it was one of those things where I was like, I, I got to watch this yeah. game right now. Like I, I, that was, half the media contingent that was there was watching FDU Purdue in the press room because we when we were watching it and you must've been in the studio, right? Mm -hmm. As we watched that game play out, it's like, what the hell is it was like Purdue was like the monsters and they lost their power. It was it was freaking bizarre. Go back and watch the final like six minutes of that game on YouTube. No, they got rattled. Terrible stuff. They got shook. They got they they got it's the classic thing of you start looking at that clock and panic starts setting in, and it's like, oh my god, what why are we in a game with these dudes with six minutes to go? Yes, and they froze. They did. Nobody wanted it. It became very clear. My main memory from that game was Purdue's other pieces wanted no part of that. Like they were passing up open shots. They just they got they froze in a big moment when it got tight. They they froze and it cost them. They blinked. All right, number three. Um... Uh, arguably the worst story of the, of the year in college basketball. Uh, Darius Miles and Brandon Miller's uh, involvement in a murder case that, you know, put a black cloud over Alabama's season and really, um, you know, it marred college hoops a bit. Everything that came with that it was actually, and I put this in the capsule, um, 
gun violence in general uh, was attached to college basketball headlines multiple times in 2023. You had the New Mexico State situation. That is in my top 2023 stories there. Um, Michigan State had to briefly put its season on hold because of a mass shooting on its campus. But the worst of it was, of course, Alabama. Um, uh, you know, Brandon Miller uh, never was disciplined. Nate Oates had a couple of extremely regrettable comments in the way that the university handled it. Uh, we are obviously not going to relitigate this right now, but it absolutely is worth bringing up because to me, this was certainly a top three story. I will be surprised if this is not in GP's top three. Where do you have it, Paris? I had a number two. Yep. I thought it was the second biggest story behind Purdue. And I think you could argue from an attention perspective, it was maybe yeah. the biggest story. I mean, like I went on TMZ Live and Inside Edition to talk about Brandon Miller and, and, and Darius Miles. And so, um, you know, it, it's just a statement of fact. Brandon Miller brought the weapon that was used to kill this woman to the scene of the crime. He did that. Um, he was never charged, never disciplined. I understand not being charged based on the law. I did not understand not being disciplined based on even the best version of the story is he's driving around the middle of the night with a loaded gun in his car. Like, as I said on TV right after it happened, if you don't have a rule in your program that tells your players they can't drive around in the middle of the night with a loaded gun in their car, then I got to question what kind of program you're running. Not the ability of it to be great from a basketball perspective, but that just seemed like that that needed to be a violation of something. According to Alabama, it never was. So Brandon Miller never stopped playing, but... um. That was a big story that we spent a lot of time discussing last season. Yeah, and Alabama was uh, spared of any uh, heightened discussion around it because it got knocked out in the Sweet 16 by San Diego State. Uh, the Aztecs are in my list as well. Um, but uh, but hard to figure, and, and Miller played terribly in the tournament, uh, had, if that didn't have some sort of tangible um, impact on it. All right, number two. Uh, for you, GP, Purdue, the, the team of 2023 for me, I got FAU. FAU won more games and lost fewer games than any team in the sport in the calendar year 2023. Trivia time! Hmm. In the story. Let's see if you can guess. How many wins for FAU in the calendar year 2023? Okay. I'm going to subtract. I'm going to go 20. I'm going to say. Okay. I'm trying to guess this. Yeah. Just guess the record. What's your guess on the record? I'm going to say the record is one, two, three. That's a record. Four. They went, they went 28 and four. They went 33 and five in the year 2023. 33 and five. Again, more wins, fewer losses than any team. They obviously make the final four and they do it without. Uh, ever having won a tournament game in the program's history, the program itself, you know, compared to others, it's it's like a teenager. It had made one tournament, never won a tournament game, did it out of CUSA, and makes the Final Four in really impressive fashion because of the way they, like if we talked about them plenty on the show, uh, this team was no fluke in the regular season. It earned its bona fides. And then, this is I comboed this. It's not just the Final Four. The 2023, I felt, was the year of FAU. They jumped leagues. They went to the American Athletic Conference. Dusty May got himself and his staff a nice little raise, and they've continued it. They just played the game of the season 
a few days back. Yes, we'll mention it here. FAU beat Arizona by one point in double OT in what was the best game of the season to get to, what are they now, 10-2, and two, a top 10 ranking. Right now, FAU is number seven, which, hello, it's time to give my buddy GP some, some dap here, some love, because he had FAU number four in the preseason. They are now creeping up closer to that ranking than any at any point previous to this. They have played a legitimate non-conference schedule, and they have reaffirmed the idea that last season, I'm not going to use the word fluke, because that's obviously ridiculous if you watch them play. It wasn't a one-off. 2023, the year of FAU, we'll see if they're able to continue that into 2024. But, uh, but no school did better for itself and its name this year than FAU, and I don't think that's really arguable. I combined FAU and San Diego State, and I, I acknowledge I might have done that inappropriately. If so, I apologize to my owls and my Aztecs. But two Final Four participants from mid-major leagues, I put that at number five. Then, as, then San Diego State fans are going to love you because I did not have San Diego State in the top ten. And well, they've been loving me for a long time. That's, like, that's actually true. You go back and check the archives. They've uh, they've long been a fan of you, that's for yeah, sure. But um, me. you're not putting top ten after SDS, SDSU beat FAU in the final four on a true uh you know winner go home buzzer beater they were losing when it went up Lamont Butler shot went in and they got it they made the title game an incredible an incredible feat so um and I did consider it for top 10 it was it was one of my uh, it was one of my lowest ranked stories that I actually considered putting top 10 um uh, you love just you love the combo deals man you just can't get over your combinations it's like you must be a big buffet guy a little of this a little of that just throw it onto the plate and make it happen. I haven't been to a I thought about this the other day I haven't been to a buffet in forever did you literally think about it the other day? I swear to God, I did. Because <laughs> because it buffets now. I used to. They sound gross to me. You know what? I got to admit, I'm kind of with you on this. Like it's just like who needs to eat that much? <laughs> All right. Yeah, I know. And plus, you know, just the, just the uh, what's it called? The sneeze guard. What are those things? I, I, all, I, of it, all of it. All of it just feels gross. Yeah. Like I'm not against it. I just don't know why. An all-you-can-eat buffet should be attractive to you <laughs> like all i can eat like i'm gonna just stuff myself and i've done it I, like i've done it i just don't know that i would do it again yeah i don't know if i would again um but fau is my number two you combined them both it was it was an, i'll tell you this and you were obviously there as well to be able to cover that and to cover such a, a, a distinct interesting final four man my throw miami in there as well making its first final four that was awesome san diego state making the title game I will I will reinforce this. I, I still think it doesn't get enough credit. And Aztec fans, if you want to come find me and blame me because I didn't rank you high enough, I'll I'll wear it entirely uh, and deserve that because it is awesome that the Aztecs made it all the way to the Final Four, the only Mountain West team ever to make a Final Four for a conference that's not even 25 years old. On to my number one. Or you got more thoughts on a buffet? I just don't like them. Okay. My number one, and I, as, I, as I said in the story, I don't, I don't pick the national champion every year as my number one story because many sometimes it's not the number one. But to me, UConn pulling off statistically arguably the best tournament run in the history of the event and verifying its blue blood status, like it just destroyed everybody. And then, oh, by the way, it follows it up by until the Kansas game. Like a seven NCAA record, 24 straight wins versus non-conference opponents by 10 or more points. Had never been done. To me, UConn doing it, the way it did it, how it did it, uh, I'm in awe of that run, just vanquishing would-be foes left and right, GP. And to me, 
if you needed the fifth title, as I wrote that night, to verify it, then there it is. They got five. They had five and 25. They're fourth all time in most NCAA championships on the men's side, let alone what the women have done. To me, UConn winning the title in a dominant strut was the number one story of 2023. I'm going to say you have UConn number three. I do, but as I hear you talk through it, I don't have any issue with it being number one on anybody's list. And not just UConn winning a national title by blowing everybody out, but to me, the story is Dan Hurley winning a national title. Like my favorite thing of last college basketball season was Dan in the final seconds of a in the bag national championship game, watching his son dribble out the clock mm-hmm. with his dad and his brother right behind the bench. I mean, it's the guy we've been through it before. Everybody's been through it before. Like Dan spent his entire life overshadowed. He's never, he's a great college basketball player, not as good as his brother. He's a great basketball coach, not as good as his father. Like that's, that's a hard existence. Um, and he, and then, and, and, and yet he, he rises to the tip top of the sport. And I promise you, I don't want to speak for anybody, but I would assume that. Watching that meant as much to Bobby Sr. as anything Bobby Sr. has ever accomplished. And I bet you watching that for his brother, Bobby, was made him as happy as anything. I, I don't know. I just, I, I, as I've gotten older, I get, I, I'm confident I wasn't always this way. I really, watched, I really like watching other people succeed. I, I, like, I like being happy for people. I, like, I don't root against people. I root for them. And I can only project, put myself in... Man, even if I'm a Hall of Fame basketball coach, watching my son do that would mean more to me than anything I ever did. And even if I were an all-time great college basketball player who's a hell of a college basketball coach himself, if I'm Bobby Hurley, watching my brother do that, knowing that he has constantly been told he's not as good as me his whole life, Mm -hmm. watching my brother do that would mean the world to me. I, I, I just thought that was the sweetest thing. It was really cool stuff, and I talked with Bobby on the court after. Hug with both uh, Dan for HQ, but Bobby just uh, just uh, <laughs> how we doing in this moment? Uh, just awesome, awesome stuff, awesome vibes, awesome. Just you know, really, really cool moment for that family and for for the UConn fan base to get that now. Three national, cha- uh, three five national champions with three different coaches. Obviously, a uh, a big thing. So that was my number one. GP's number three. So we have two items. That we did not get to that are on your top 10. What are they and where are they ranked, GP? Actually, three. And I can't believe okay. you don't have this one in the top 10. I'll, I bet you what you're about to say is my number 11. Go ahead. Chris Beard gets fired at Texas Ooh. and hired at Ole Miss. I did not have that. Okay. So. That's a massive story. It is. It is a huge. It is a huge story. Um, so I, I debated a lot of this. So Beard, the. The beards, it is a huge story. And and you know what? I'm I'm willing to say that not Did the incident on the actually list. happened in December. Is that where we're at? Right. So Beard, the whole all of that stuff, like all the noise, the reaction, he's out of a job. This is gonna happen. That was all 2022. Okay. And then his actual firing was a formality. It happened, I think, on the fourth day of the year. Uh, it was a an outright formality. Not to say that it wasn't a big headline, it absolutely was. I considered it, but um that and then what I didn't put enough stock into, I think, after the fact was him turning around and getting the old Miss job right away. Oh, and by the way, they're undefeated. I know, and they are undefeated <laughs> right now. So, uh, for so, sure. But, but like when we did this thing a year ago, 
um, the beard story was like was high up on the list. And so most of that was in 2022. And then it was, oh, by the way, hey, he's officially done. The domestic violence charge wound up getting dropped, which enabled him to get to Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, so when you frame it that way, the incident was in 2022. I guess that's reason enough not to, to, to put it on your list. I didn't think of it that way. I thought of it all yeah. in the same year incorrectly. But Chris Beard lo- technically losing in 2023 his dream job. And then getting hired at Ole Miss and having it as one of entering the final weekend of 2023 as one of the only three undefeated teams in the sport. Big story. Yeah. Um, so I had that in the top five. Number six, I had North Carolina going from number one to missing the NCAA tournament. Yeah, UNC's historic flop is number 13 on my list. Again, 15 spots for, for 10 items here. Uh, it was definitely there. Um, they also, they were preseason number one GP and they set a record. They dropped out of the polls altogether in a month's time that had never been done before where a team that high preseason number one dropped out that quickly. And then I had one more number 10, mm-hmm. the disastrous first year of Kenny Payne at Louisville yes. and the disastrous start to year two. That was my number 10. That is my number 11. We've obviously talked about a ton on the podcast right. as of late. Uh, I really debated between Louisville at 10 and Bayheim, but then I thought, well, Bay and you you combine Bayheim and Huggins. I thought, you know what though, like Bayheim after all those years, like you know, Louisville. And because here's the thing, I, I look back last year, Louisville being terrible was like 17th on my list last year. So I was like, <laughs> we did. I was like, you know what, we'll we'll do 11 here with them. Um, and yeah, what can you say? I mean, it's uh, Josh Air, the AD, has opted to stick with Kenny Payne in the short term, at least. Uh, it remains to be seen whether or not he will keep his job through the end of the season. But um, some people stepped in and, and decided this was not going to be the proper moment. We've talked about this. We don't need to go back into it. But yes, that, that was number 11 on my list. There's one more, though. You can keep, keep, continue with that. There's well, one more than my top 12 that you didn't mention. that I Okay, to. well, I had three more that I consider for my top 10. I cut it off at 13. But these okay. are the 13 that popped into my head, and then I dwindled right. it to 10. Um, Ed Cooley leaving Providence for Georgetown. I, I would have had 11. That's 14 on my list. And also, I have Cooley taking the Georgetown job and enraging the Providence fan base. Let's not underestimate that side of the story. Yes, that was 14 on my list. And then 12, I had something you've already mentioned. Um, New Mexico State's Mike Peak. He like killed somebody on New Mexico's campus. Yes. Yes. And they ended their season. That was the that was as much of a story as anything. They ended their season after internal uh, you know, uh, um, a player on the team went to the uh the AD and and said, Yeah, I've been I've been abused, I've been hazed, and that proved to be correct, and everyone lost their dog. Like, yes, very big story. Yes. Yeah, Mike Peak. Got lured, as the story goes, got lured to the campus by a girl and then got jumped by two guys with, like, bats. And it was a retaliation for a previous incident. And yeah. he was carrying, and he just pop, 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 kill somebody. Yeah. It's self-defense. It was it was labeled self-defense by investigators. But yeah. um, still, you don't get a – just a wild story. Yeah, wild story. Uh... And, then, and then I had one more, and I – I thought this was big just for what it meant. Okay. Hunter Dickinson transferring from Michigan to Kansas. Not my top 15, but it's, it, when you read the story, it's in the top 23. He was the biggest transfer, and he picked Kansas. That was a major moment. Yes. And I just think what it represented, by all, I don't want to say by all accounts, I'll let Hunter speak for himself, but you know, this is a guy who was an All-American at Michigan, and he, he seemed to suggest that he left over money. You know, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, that's that's that that, 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 that an All-American could leave Michigan – yeah. in pursuit of money and talk about it plainly. Like, we've just come a long way. I know. 
Like, like when a guy can stand up and say, yeah, I'm leaving Michigan for Kansas. Cause you realize I only made, like I got less than a hundred thousand to be at Michigan last year. So most people think I'm going to get in like a million at Kansas. So yeah, I'm just gonna, yeah. you know, just going to take a pay raise and go play for Bill Sell. Like we've come a long way for that to be a real thing. And I just thought what it represented was, um, was a massive story in 2023. Last one. And then we're going to pick some games. Uh, number 12 on my list was Bronny James. He picks USC suffers cardiac arrest, and then returns and makes his college basketball debut in a seventh-month span. Obviously, arguably the most famous player in the sport, um, having all of that. Now, he is not a, he's not a big impact player. Uh, he wasn't a top-ten recruit, but, you know, it's Bronny James. So it, everything that he went through was obviously a huge story, so I had that in my top 15. All right. Let's pick you, some ready? Games, you ready to do the final four-and-one? Let's uh, – I mean, are you, I'm, I'm freaking ready right now. Let's go. The final four-and-one is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more – I don't know if you noticed what the updated records are. Go ahead, tell the people. But GP is 2014 and one, and MN is only 1915 and one. You got a one game lead. I mean, great job last week. Four and one, if I'm Four not mistaken. One. Four and one. I'm getting hot, baby. I'm hot. See if you can keep these vibes going into the new year. You got a New Year's resolution before we pick these games, other than beating me in the final four and one? Any other New Year's resolutions? New Year's resolutions. You got a thought on him? I do. You know what I'd like to do? Let's just dial back this music first here. here go I ahead. would like to I would like to have a 20-minute grace period. I would like to teach myself to have a 20-minute grace period before I react to anything. Okay. Well, um <laughs> you you are a person that uh very frequently has to talk on a podcast, talk on a television network to things that happen. I don't think 20 minute grace periods are going to be. No, what I mean is like when my kids or a colleague or anybody does something that is frustrating that I don't understand. Just tell, why. Me, what just tell me what I did wrong. All right. Just, just well, I do appreciate you finally getting your first name in this thing underneath your face. That was driving me nuts. Oh, oh, well, that might just go back to Norlander in like two weeks or whatever. Like, I so. can't stand stuff like that. <laughs> like, for one of them to say a full name and one of them to say a last name only, like, drive actually bothers me. you are me. not watching on YouTube, uh, we have name nameplates, hey. identifiers, and Parrish always has Gary Parrish. I have sometimes had Norlander. He would like to fully say Matt Norlander. Doesn't bother me in the slightest. You could do. You could have Gary Parish one two three four X Y Z. It wouldn't bother me. But I hear you all the way. No, that stuff. Like this is where my autism comes in. I think. <laughs> you know what? Give yourself a twenty minute grace period. The next no, what I mean is on. like my my like people will constantly do things to me. Not constantly, but like there are things that happen and they're just frustrating. I don't know why they're happening. And what I what I realize is that in twenty minutes I won't care about this. But right now I care about it a lot. And if I could just let those 20 minutes pass, I would just never be upset. I'd never be frustrated. Just like don't care. I think it boils down to don't sweat the small stuff. I think that's what it is. I should write a book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. I, I, there might be a half dozen of those already. Damn it. Damn it. Yeah. I guess I'll just keep ranking was, basketball teams then. I, I was seeing if I could change my name in the mid-show, but I don't think I'm able to do that. So we continue. So that's that's your New Year's resolution. Yeah, I'd like to calm down a little bit. Okay. All right. I haven't thought about mine. I asked you, and I didn't even have an answer yet. Um, oh, I'm not pretending that I'm actually going to do it. I am who oh, I am. Oh, come on! I am who I am. But uh, I'm going to play even more guitar in the new year. It's actually no. 2023 has been. A, uh, I've, I've played less guitar this year than I think ever, and I gotta, I gotta get that back around. Gotta get that back around. I wouldn't mind practicing putting a little bit more. That wouldn't hurt. That's not a rest. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, that wouldn't hurt. Let's pick some games. Game one, Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern. 
San Diego State at number 13, Gonzaga, inside the Drew Timmy Athletic Center. Mm. You, can, you can watch it on ESPN2. Remember Drew Timmy? How about this? We have known everything Drew Timmy's done for the past four years. You have no idea where he is right now. Yeah, that's why I love, I love the sport. Sometimes you can, I could not tell you. What you have no idea what Drew Timmy's no doing. Idea. I don't know if he's on a roster, if he's on a two-way, if he's playing for the G League, if he's if he just got done celebrating Christmas in Finland. I don't know where this I guy thought is. about this the other day, man. I don't I, know I, where he is. Somebody, pop, somebody popped into my head, like one of these projected first-round picks that we talk about nonstop and we're doing special prospect episodes on them and it's a mock draft and it's a mock draft and you're on HQ and you talk about them and talk about them. And I look up and I go, man, I don't even know where Anthony Black is today. <laughs> I it wasn't, he's, with, he's with Orlando. I, I know, know that, that, right. But it wasn't Anthony Black, but it was somebody like that. It was like, oh, maybe it was Grady Dick. It was like... Uh, Lano, I think I know that one too. No, I knew where he was, but I was like, oh, man, I wonder how Grady Dick's doing. And then I Googled it, and I was like, oh, he's not good. <laughs> you just – man, I'm telling you, these dudes just disappear. I saw Jordan Hawkins today. There's like some tweet. Pelicans? Yeah, but I think he's being sent to the G League. Oh, well, you know, it'll happen. It, it happens. It's tough. Out. Happen. It's just – it's wild to me how even the guys who are, like, supposed to be first-round picks, and they are first-round picks, they just disappear. They just unless they're named Victor or Chet or Jaime, they just disappear. Anyway, hey, good. Hey, just wanted Drew Timmy to know we're thinking about him wherever he is today. Drew, we hope you had a Merry Christmas and, uh, and yep. have a wonderful, wonderful New Year. Yep. Yep. Kim Palm has it. Gonzaga minus five. Zags best wins this season for Gonzaga. You ready for this? Syracuse and Maui, UCLA and Maui. USC and Vegas. None of those teams are projected NCAA tournament teams. San Diego State is. Zags are nine and three, ranked twentieth at Ken Palm. Aztecs thirtieth at Ken Palm, ten and two. Uh, this is a great, this is a great game to get on a Friday night. By the way, GP. Um, Zags by five at home. San Diego State fans are furious at me at the moment. You know what? I can be swayed. I will take the Techs. To cover inside of this number, to cover the five, cover the five. It's the best game of the weekend, I think. I think it might be the best game of the weekend. Um, San Diego State, Lamont Butler. When we did our list of top 101 college basketball players, I don't think he was on it. And San Diego State fans were like, "How could you guys not put Lamont Butler on the list?" And I was like, "I did. I, told I you, did. I told you he was not going to be the best player on the team, buddy. He doesn't look like he is." No. He, he, good, good player, but I'm just saying, like this. this one go good player, but like has not had a good year. Points down, rebounds down, steals down, field goal percentage down, three point percentage down. Jaden Ladee, by the way, is a beast, though. So when uh, like he's averaging like eight points a game, Lamont Butler. When he scores double figures, San Diego State is undefeated, but they've lost twice when he hasn't. Uh, the two losses, he was three of eleven for nine points in the loss to BYU, three of six for six points in the loss to Grand Canyon. So. Yes. You want to hit that I was wrong button real quick? I don't have it up here. Uh, hold on. There we go. Uh, there we go. I, mean, yeah, I, got I, wanted, I, was wrong. I, got I wanted to believe in, in Lamont Butler, but it's it not going so well. The first for time right you asked for the I was wrong button, by the way. I needed it. I deserved it. Right on the other side, Ryan Nimhard. Do you know what he's shooting from three on the season? I just got told. Hold on. I just got told. I think Timmy's playing for the Wisconsin Herd in the G League. <laughs> so there we go. Wow. Ryan Nemhart shooting for the season. Is shooting? No, uh, from three. 
Give me 41% from three for a number. 17.1%. Buddy, what's he doing? And and, and that was... That's an I was wrong. I had Ryan Emhart being more valuable than Hunter Dickinson as a transfer this season. Not working out so well for your guy. No, right? I think Hunter Dickinson's shooting better from three than that. I think Hunter Dickinson is shooting better than twice as well from that. <laughs> I think Dickinson's shooting like 38% from three right now. All right, I'm taking the Zags. You're with me. I No, you took the Zags? I thought you took the Aztecs. No, I took the Tex. Sorry about that. All right. I took the Tex. That's the Aztecs. Yeah, and you're taking the Zags. Got I'm it. taking the Zags. I love yeah. San Diego State. You know how much I love them, how much they love me. Love but it's Gonzaga for crying out loud. It's Drew Timmy Athletic Center. Game two, Saturday, noon Eastern. Pit at Syracuse inside the Malachi Richardson Dome. You can watch it. CW Network. Yeah, Kim, you can. Kim Palm has it. Pit minus one. The Panthers on the road. Malachi Richardson, by the way, took yeah. the Orange to their last Final Four back in 2016. Was a first-round pick and is now playing in? No, I could not tell you. Indonesia. Okay. There you go. That'll happen. It'll happen, man. It is five and 5-1 in its last six games against Syracuse. And it's got a couple of nice, really, really good players here. Bub Carrington, one of the better freshmen in the country. 14 points, 5 boards, 5 assists per game. Um He's only one of six guys in the entire country averaging at least 13 and a half points, five boards, five dimes. Uh, Blake Kinson's the guy to know, though. He is averaging 21 points over his past six games and has been playing like one of the 20 or so best players in the country this season. Hinton, uh, Hinson is a very good three-point shooter. Um, 46% from the season. Not Ryan Nemhard numbers. Pitt favored at Q's. And you know what, GP? Straight up! Give me the, give me, give me the Panthers. I remember a year ago. We did a podcast around New Year's, and I watched Pitt play, and I watched Pitt win because I was helping my kid build a Lego. Pitt won. We're doing it. Coming full circle. Pitt wins at the Dome. I'm glad you brought up Bob Carrington. Ranked 91st in the class of 2023. And is starting to show up on NBA mock drafts already. Although some of it is like super great start to the season, and he's really cooled off. He... um. Won ACC Rookie of the Week twice in November and then started showing up in mock drafts because he was statistically great. He also doesn't turn 19 until July 2024, so he'll be 18 on the night of the draft. Um, he was shooting 51.9% from three on 6.8 attempts per game through the first four games of the season. And big time buzz. Since then, he's down to 19.6%. Since then, he's turned into Ryan Nimhard. Down 19.6% from three in the past eight games, but still an interesting player. Um, oh, nickname Bub. You know why he's nicknamed Bub? You know why he's Bub Carrington? I don't, but I love it no matter what the reason is. So his dad was, he's actually Carlton Carrington the third. Yeah. His father was Bub, and he was Lil Bub. Lil Bub. But now he's just Bub. Now he should be Lil Bub. What are we doing here? He should be Lil Bub. He's a Lil Bub. Like my friends, oh, from, my friends that I grew up with, like that I played baseball with when I was seven, eight, nine years old, still to this day call me Little Gary <laughs> because my dad was Big Gary. <laughs> like I, if, if I were to go to Kroger and bump into somebody I played baseball with when I was nine years old, they'd be like, what's up, Little Gary? That's exactly how they would say it. I was Little Gary. I still am Little Gary. 
Uh, except for these. Except for these. You know what? With all Ain't nothing little Gary about nothing those. but respect for Mr. Carrington. On this podcast, he's Lil Bub to us. Yeah. Right. From now on, he's Lil Bub. It's an endearing term. Lil Bub. We're bringing it back. Lil Bub from Baltimore. Hunter Dickinson, by the way, shooting 50% from three. Of course he is. Of course he is. I ain't even got to pick it yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm picking Lil Bub. Of course. How can you not take Lil Bub? Lil Bub from Baltimore. There we go. Same side. Game three, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Indiana State. What a game. At Michigan State, inside the Jeremy Fear Center. Buddy, that was scary. But he's doing inform the audience if they are unaware of the uh, the news out of uh, East Lansing uh, since we last podcasted. He took a bullet. He did. Is that a? Is do I understand a, it correctly? Was that a party and somebody just started popping? Pop, pop, pop. Apparently, but he is uh, he is on the mend and doing well, thankfully. But yes. Yeah. Scary deal. Yeah. Man, you can watch it on FS1. Kim Pom has it. Michigan State. Minus nine. Indiana State's 11-1. Lone loss at Alabama. Obviously, the second best team in the state of Indiana. Behind only Purdue. Ahead of Butler. Now, this is actually... I think this is the case. <laughs> this Is is this disrespectful to the Sycamores, GP? Nine points? It feels like... Man, I don't know. They got zero top 100 Kimpom wins. Their best win is over Southern Illinois or at Bradley. But they are still the second best team in the state of Indiana behind only Purdue. Indiana, of course, is the fourth best team in the state of Indiana. Let's stay on track here. Indiana State, 11 and 1. Top three in the country in three point shooting, top six in two point shooting. And they've got Robbie Avila, who is a 6'10. Allegedly 240 pounds sophomore who can this guy is a sensation. I don't know if you've watched him play. I don't know if you've seen his highlights on social media, but he works the post and he shoots 47% from three. He is a wonder. If you have not seen him or the Sycamores play, I cannot recommend this enough. Big time Saturday game. Sycamores in all seriousness here. Game of high consequence. Because Missouri Valley Conference has an outside chance at being a two-bid league. But if it's going to do that, then it needs stuff like Indiana State at 11-1 and going and winning at Michigan State. And it needs Drake to not get picked off again uh, against a bad team and finish up the non-league portion of his schedule with just two losses. In the meantime, if Indiana State were to go and beat Michigan State, there's actually a topic in our dribble handoff uh, this week about Michigan State. Were we buying or selling their chances to make the tournament? I picked buying their chance. I picked Michigan State making the tournament. I assume you did too, too GP. Yeah, I'm just going to believe that you know yeah. they've done it 25 straight times. I'm just going to assume they're going to do it 26. Yeah, that basically comes down to that. But a game like this, I mean, this is this is Michigan State's final non-conference game. Uh, it's already lost on its home floor to James Madison. Indiana State right now ranks better than JMU. I will take. Give me. Give me the sycamores. Give me the trees to cover. I don't know if I can go all the way, but nine, it's disrespectful. ISU to cover. Hell of a time when the second best team in the state of Indiana getting nine points at Michigan State. Something ain't right. Hey, you know Indiana State's head coach, Josh Schertz? Yeah, what about him? Do you know where he graduated from? Um, I'm going to say Memphis because why else would you bring that up? Because Indi- Indiana, I don't know. I don't know where he graduated from. Josh Shirts is a proud graduate 
of Florida Atlantic University. Oh, is he really? <laughs> oh, I think I found their next coach. Oh, the pieces are moving. Do you take do you take FAU over Indiana State? Is it obvious? Yeah, yeah I think question, so. Actually, that's actually a good question. I think you probably do, but I don't know. I think you probably, especially if you graduated there. Maybe. Shirts, has, Shirts had a good reputation when he was hired, like a considered a savvy hire by SU. And uh, yeah, one of the best he's things a, that teams in the country. He's a D2 coach. He's like, D2 coaches don't usually get pulled up to this level, right? It's not normal. He's a D2 coach at Lincoln Memorial, uh, which is about 60 miles north of Knoxville in, in Tennessee. I had never heard of it. He won nine league titles in 13 years, five league tournaments, was the South Atlantic Conference Coach of the Year seven different times, made the D2 Final Four three different times, and now he's got the second-best team in the state of Indiana behind only Purdue. I'm taking Michigan State. I knew you would be. I got to lay the points. Game four. Game four. Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Number 22, Creighton at number 10, Marquette, inside Travis Diener Forum. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. Yeah. It's, it's the network of stars. You got any issues with me picking this game? I love that you picked this game. I'll be on CBS Sports HQ multiple times throughout the day on Saturday, previewing, talking this game, recapping it, the whole deal. Get a second screen situation going. Your guy's going to be on HQ talking all this stuff here. Um, Kim Pum has it, Marquette minus three. Okay. How are you going to act? Spicy one here, GP. This is the toughest one on the board, in my opinion. Would you agree? Toughest game to pick on the board? Nope. You wouldn't. What's the toughest game for you to pick on the board? None of them are tough for me. I went, ah! four, I went four and one last week. Uh, Nothing's this, hard uh, for me. This, uh, careful, Icarus. Everything's. Uh, uh, Pitt, Syracuse. Pitt, Syracuse. It's still Syracuse in the dome. Okay. I know that don't mean what it used to mean. Um, I'm going to go... Marquette won both its games last season against Creighton. Uh, but Creighton prior to that had actually been playing really well against uh, against the Golden Eagles here. On the road, I will give me yeah, give me Marquette to win and cover here, but this is a tremendous game. In a, and really, I, the thing I love about the Big East is we're going to have so many of these kind of compelling matchups because there's a lot of interesting things with this, with this league. Uh, like even like you get into Providence, Seton Hall has, you know, made a little noise here. Creighton's already 0-1 in the league. Uh, Marquette's got to 1-1. So getting to 0-2 would be damaging. Lost two of its past three. Did get the win over Bama. Did Creighton in that run. It lost to UNLV and then got taken out by Nova. That was the home loss. I will go. I'll go. Yeah, I'll go Golden Eagles to win, cover the three. And uh, I'll say Cam Jones is your leading scorer. He walks out of the building on Saturday with 23 points to his name. That's my little homie from Memphis. Little Cam. That's my little homie from Memphis. If Creighton loses, they're 0-2 in the Big East. If Marquette loses, 1-2 in the Big East. I just said that. Yeah, but it sounds better coming out of my mouth. Okay. Sounded like you needed a 20-minute grace period before bringing that factor to the table. Cam Jones, my little homie from Memphis. Are we sure Creighton's good? I don't have Creighton ranked. Are we sure Creighton is good? I think Creighton is good. Uh, are we sure Creighton is pretty good? That's more the question, I think. I think Creighton's good. Uh, I, I don't have an issue with them not being ranked. I think Creighton's good, though. You give me a, a team, you give me a top 10 team at home, and I'm only laying one possession mm -hmm. against a team that's that I have currently unranked. I got to lay that three every time. I'm laying the three. 
I'm laying the three. Give me Marquette. All right. We uh we did four. Here are the other games to know. Um, I'm going to give you the Thursday one since we're doing this on a Thursday. USC at Oregon is a nine Eastern tip here on Thursday night on ESPN two. Then you got UCLA at Oregon state. So you got the LA schools and the Oregon schools. Those are the two biggest games of Thursday night. No, we did not add them to the slate there. Um, Friday. It's kind of lean GP. Like you got what Washington state at Utah, Arizona state at Stanford. There's not a lot out there. Kent state at St. Mary's, maybe keep an eye on it. St. Mary's cannot afford to lose that game. It can't afford to lose like any more games the rest of the season. And then Saturday, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, Liberty plays against Alabama. Um, that's kind of interesting, I guess. That game is not at Alabama. It's in, uh, I guess it's in Birmingham, but it's not on Bama's campus there. Uh, our and one, and one game. A little West Coast flavor, a little West Coast love. Friday, mm. 9 Eastern on ESPNU. It's going to be Washington against Colorado, two schools that might not have been in a final four and one more than three combined times in the past couple of seasons, but give them a little love here. Um, this game will of course be played on Chauncey Billups court and Ken Tom has the line Colorado. We got another nine point home favorite situation here, Colorado minus line. According to Ken Palm, I believe you have the Buffaloes ranked in Washington. Not what are your thoughts on the game and who is your pick? That's too many. No, that's too many. That's too many for my to give Mike Hopkins. You're gonna give eight, Mike Hopkins that many points? Eight and three, Mike Hopkins riding a four-game winning streak. It is the first time since the what? I think it's the first time I had this. Uh, let me find this here. It's, Washington has not won four games in a row. Yeah, since the 2019-2020 season. That's, I like it when hot seat coaches are doing okay. He's I root doing for them. all right for himself. Literally has not won four in a row until right now since 1920, since the uh, dumbest pandemic of our lifetime. So there we have it. Like the Mike Hopkins thing got off to a good start. They won a conference title. And then uh, it has been bad since and needed a good season to probably get a next season. And so far, not perfect, but respectable. Yeah. I'm going to take the Huskies plus the nine points on the road. Yeah, we agree on this. Uh, Colorado is good. Maybe we come out of the maybe we come out of the weekend. Colorado's got home against Washington Friday, and then they got Wazoo on Sunday. Uh, maybe they just wipe both these teams out. They get to eleven and two, and then we're talking about you know their viability as the second best team in the league, which I think they're headed toward anyway. Uh, Colorado's a really fun team. I think it's going to win the game, but I've got enough. I've got enough faith in in Washington to to keep it competitive. Um, the defense is going to have to step up, like. In this particular Washington's got guys on the on its roster that you know uh, they've got Keon Bricks and Sevier Wheeler, both previously from Kentucky. Paul Mulcahy, previously from Rutgers, being the three biggest names there. And if they can defensively play well, try and shut down KJ Simpson, who has been an outright stud. Tristan De Silva. I mean, those are two of the five best players in the Pac-12, probably. Uh, and then they've got Eddie Lampkin. I love Colorado. Um, I really do. In terms of where they are in the grand scheme of the landscape versus how much they're talked about. I think Boyle's got a good team, but we agree, GP. I will take Washington to cover. That is the final four and one presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. I think we can roll, but before we do. Okay. Programming note for the audience. We are going to be podcasting. Everyone have a safe well, I guess we're going to podcast again before the new year. So have a safe, listen, have a safe 28th, 29th, and 30th. We are going to give you a Sunday podcast. 
but it's going to be earlier in the day, maybe sometime early mid afternoon on Sunday before you really get rolling. I got no idea what bowl games are happening. And CFP, is that happening on 31st or is that January 1? Do we know? That's January 1. All right, thank goodness. So we are going to pod. We'll recap anything that needs to be talked about from Friday and Saturday. Again, that'll be on East Coast time, early to mid-afternoon on Sunday. Getting it to you much earlier than normal. Uh, appreciate anyone that's stuck by and uh, and hopped in here on a Thursday. Um, we got, you know, we got travel plans. We got this, that. We wanted to give you a Thursday podcast on a Friday. I like to change the pace, but I think it's time to go. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry Evan Fatigo. He's a legend. Shouts to Huck and Larnell. Thank you guys once again for watching and listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. So make sure you're doing that, and we'll talk to you again on Sunday. Like Norlander said, have a safe 28th. And a safe 29. What other podcast is wishing you well wishes on the 28th, 29th, and 30th? Come on now. Have a safe 28th through the 30th, and we'll talk to you again on the 31st. Till then, take care. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. Time to set it up. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, we got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.